going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have one of Canada's premier class sounds in the building. Listen, this man has a couple crazy catchphrases when it comes to sound clash, and they've been one of the premier sounds from the early 2000s. You know what we have in the building today? We have Forty Rankin from Don Rankin in the building today. What's going on, my brother? It's a pleasure to be here, Musclehead. It's an honor always, you don't know. I just want to say, you know, special shout-out, request to the wall of Toronto. Everybody upon my team, yeah, want to big them up by name. Big up Crazy at the Boss. Big up Trilla Curry. Big up Problem Child. Mm-hmm. Um, big up the, 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 the recent recruit on the sound, Wicked Indian. Okay. Zit. I just want to big up everybody watching the show. Big up on yourself. Yeah, man. Trust me, this is going to be a good conversation. To tell you the truth, I know I messaged you the other day, but for months, you've been on my mind. I said, 40 ranks, 40 ranks. But I said, time, time, time. And here you are today in the chair, live in the studio. Every Everything in due time, muscle. That's how I see life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. You understand. All right, let's get into this crazy story of the sound sure. called Dan Rankin. Yes, all right? Sir. And even you, 40 Rankin. So my first question is this. Where did you grow up, and what attracted you to music in the first place? I'm, I, w- I want to try and recollect all the facts in sequence here, so I could, because I've always wanted to kind of give an exclusive about my experience and how it all kind of spawned. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are immigrants from Greece, so I'm a first-generation Canadian. Mm-hmm. I was I was born in Canada. In a, uh, I would say near Pape Station is the first the first place we ever lived. I think it was on Gamble Avenue or Gowan or one of those places. Yes. Right? And then at uh, in typical immigrant fashion in the 70s, my parents, for whatever reason, I still don't really know why, but <laughs> <laughs> sent me to go live with my grandmother in Patras, Greece. So mm-hmm. after the off after Greece I was and I was there till I was about four. Mm-hmm. And then I came to Canada. And uh, the first place that I, I ever lived in Canada was was a place called Tent Boltby Avenue. Yes. In in a in a in an area called Blake Street. Everyone referred to it as Blake Street, mm-hmm. but I lived on the Boltby side. And uh, there was at the time this would have been 1980. Mm-hmm. There was an incredibly incredibly heavy Jamaican presence there. So as as soon as I stepped off. The plane, essentially, mm-hmm. I was I was living amongst, you know, Jamaicans mm-hmm. yeah, from the very beginning, you know. And that's where you actually say the music caught you because, again, you were hearing it, but you didn't decide you wanted the player to get involved with it anyhow at this time. Are you just soaking it in? No, at this point, I was a kid, right? So I would have been like four or five years old, but... Mm-hmm. Right away, uh, from the very beginning, I noticed, okay, in my neighborhood where I grew up, in Blake Street, there was, uh, I realized very quickly amongst the, the Jamaican population that there was this incredible fascination with powerful sound systems, you know? So in Blake Street, there was a, it, 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 keep in mind, this was the early 80s, right? Mm-hmm. So the world was lawless to begin with, but Blake had no regulations. Mm-hmm. You see me? So, you know, at a very young age, I, you know, on a daily basis, you would you would see, like, different sound system owners put out their entire wall units on the balcony and, and, and even clash with, with each other, right? So 
like people from 10 Boltby would be clashing with people from Blake Street. <laughs> and it was quite a distance, right? Yeah. So automatically I, I was exposed to this concept and the Jamaican people's fascination with powerful sound, mm -hmm. which became a fascination of mine. And at the same time, obviously my first real exposure to, to, to black music and the movement of, a, of, a, of black music was the breakdance era. Okay. Right. So, because breakdancing in Blake Street was, it was incredible. Like it was, it, it had taken over the world. But at the same time, you know, I was listening. All these reggae rhythms were just being pumped into my psyche because I'm hearing it every day, all day, every day. You know. So, I think that's how it initially got into my brain. Is mm -hmm. me? Yeah. So you'd say reggae was first. Did you ever get into hip hop or anything? Yeah, I was. I was. I was a hip hop man first. Mm -hmm. uh, for, I even I was a hip hop DJ first. You were a hip hop DJ yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from from, but that only lasted for about two years. Yeah, I started. I started. I mean, I always bought music, right? Mm -hmm. Like even even throughout the, I started collecting music probably in 1984, 85. Mm -hmm. A lot of break dancing hits, and then. In 85, we left Canada, went back to Greece uh, permanently, or at least we thought so at the time. And when I came back, the, the, the music had transformed from breakdancing to hip-hop. You know, so my first exposure there would have been like... The, the, first, the first record I went crazy for when I came back in, in, in 86 was mm -hmm. The Fat Boys. I, I, I almost pulled the words the fat out boys. of your mouth. The Fat Boys. And, and, that, was, and that ran the place, the, the white album. I can't remember the name of the mm -hmm. album, but The Fat Boys are back. Yes. <laughs> right? That was, that, that, I memorized every lyric yeah. in that album fully, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was a hip-hop. And what was your DJ name back then? DJ Bitch Killer. <laughs> <laughs> and that was before Montina. This was this would have been in like '88. Yeah, yeah. DJ Bitch Killer. Mm -hmm. You know. So then you're you're buying a hip hop, your hip hop DJ and stuff. Where did the transition happen for you from hip hop to reggae? Well, this is so part of part of. I used to go to Greek school along Victoria Park at a place called Pleasant View near near Chester Lee there. Mm -hmm. So, but because my Greek was advanced, I used to take off after break. Yeah and go to Chester Lee to mm -hmm. Network Records. That's where it all started for me. So every, I got into a habit of, probably in about 1988, 89, going mm -hmm. to, to that record shop a couple of times a week. Mm -hmm. and, and I made that my home place for purchasing records because it was in Scarborough and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that for about, up until say 1990 when I started going to high school at Victoria Park. Mm -hmm. And then, once we got to once we got once I got to high school, then the people that I linked with and the pool of talent that I connected with was a lot greater. So I took the DJing a lot more seriously. Now, during '89, when I was a hip hop DJ, though, I started I started to buy up a lot of records because I had gone to to the, the two people that have been instrumental mm -hmm. in in my development in reggae have been Chilla Curry and Crazy Hype. Okay. They're brothers. Yeah. And two of my closest friends mm -hmm. in the world. And Big O Problem Child too. And 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 some other people that were, were also involved in the area. Big up Fada Riggs. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there was a there was a movement out of that that side, you know? And uh while I was buying hip hop I was buying up 
the reggae, but one night I remember specifically, I think it was during Christmas, I went to to Crazy Hype on, on Chilla Curry's yard and they had the black realistic mixer and they had two home turntables and a bag of LPs, right? Mm-hmm. Them time there was buying hip hop, so I, I didn't really, I was familiar with some of it, but he had like six or seven Shabba Ranks LPs and I'm like, oh, what is what is this Shabba stuff, man, you know? And compilation, so I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my mind around why there's ten artists on one rhythm, you know. So I'm I'm. It wasn't just about understanding the music; it was a, about <laughs> understanding the culture and the music. So you know, we're chilling. I went in there. I'm looking at all these things. I'm asking questions. There's you know they they, the people that grew me or I grew around were very politically incorrect at the time too right so so i'm in there and i'm like what's this they're like oh i know about that white boy right and then you know and then then the dad would come along and be like ah white boy, I know about Shabarang, white boy so i was like you know what i'm gonna prove i'm gonna prove to these guys that i know i i know th- i'm gonna know this stuff mm-hmm. you know so that's a big part of how it all started for me you know for sure, no, yeah. that that's crazy. There and you saying that, I could only. It's like I went back in time thirty years, and seeing that, it's like I was a fly on the wall watching them speak to you like that because that's how everybody was. That's how it then. was, and it was yeah. it was it was, you know, I, I've morphed into the new world, and I'm adjusting to the new world and whatnot. But mm-hmm. things weren't always the way they are now. Mm-hmm. You know, like we grew up, we grew up in a little more rough and tumble environment and there was very little mm-hmm. you know room for sensitivity <laughs> you that, understand at that time you know what i'm saying so, and and things and in terms of racial relations and all that stuff too things weren't always very politically correct either on both sides mm-hmm. you know so it wasn't like you know i'll get we could get into this in the, in in time in in the next little while but you know it wasn't it wasn't hey come on in and play you know like it wasn't like that wasn't like that at all <laughs> you, you understand but that's why we've we grow to appreciate the things that we appreciate now and know that a lot of times when people might say something that's not exactly what they mean no that's just how we're just are. morphing with the times right sometimes you, it, back in the day it was overt now mm-hmm. often it can be covert yeah you know you understand yeah all right so shaba was some of the first dance hall DJs that you started to see back then so from from the it, that that the day that I'm talking about when I went to the Curry's them house mm-hmm. and and got into this whole like exposure of of these LPs and seeing it in its raw form and all that um, Curry also had a drawer full of cassettes right so he after we started talking about Shabba he's like well you know about inner city boy and we know about Silverhawk, and I'm like, yo, what's this guy talking about, man? So then, you know, after berating me for a little while, he let, he let me take a few cassettes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I went home and I just listened to all listened to these cassettes over and over and over, and I just went I went back the next day and I was like, take these three, I want like six more, and mm-hmm. within a month now I had I'd wrapped my mind around. What's going on? That's what I was going to ask you. So you understood immediately what you were hearing. Immediately. I'm like, once I understood the concept, I'm like, but weird. So you can actually get Shabba saying you're the greatest in the world. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I want dub plates 
today. <laughs> today. Yeah. You know? And that's where it basically the bug bit you in your mind. You said, oh, I understand. It bit my face on. right off. Bro. Yeah. Bit my face right off. And I was like, I want to do this forever. Yeah. Okay. So then at this time here, you had now switched from from hip hop to now reggae where you were about yeah, to make so that transition. I, I, I went from... I, Right shortly after what I'm talking about, which would have been probably mid-89, mm -hmm. I started to purchase only reggae. Yeah. Yeah. Started buying. I, I, I ventured over to the 45 aisle, you know? <laughs> Hip-hop was over on this side. 45 was across the way over here. But mm -hmm. the problem with network was every time I'd catch a little... a little speed, like in terms of getting a good little collection going, mm -hmm. they would get robbed. <laughs> Every second week, they would get robbed. Mm -hmm. And I, the brother's name was Ricky and and and, and Mary. Mm -hmm. And I think they were I think they were either relatives or the parents of Doctor J, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah, because I used to see Doctor J in there every every couple of days, mm -hmm. right? And they were Trini and whatnot. But I remember, and I felt so bad for him every second Saturday. Ricky would be there saying, sorry, Don, not Manano Record. Because <laughs> Chester Lee people would rob yeah. him all the time. And it was, I was just like, okay. And then somebody put a word in my ear and said, yo, what are you wasting your time over there, bro? Mm -hmm. You need to go to Record Factory. This is where the real game starts. The real game starts at Record Factory. Mm -hmm. You know, because then shortly I started going there like on a Tuesday. Then I'd go back on Thursday. And I'd be like, where's the, where's the real, like, okay, yes, where when are the records coming? So I start to get to understand what's going mm -hmm. on. So boom, now, get to understand that all the shipment comes in Saturday morning. And if you get there by 11, you're getting the best records. So I was there every Saturday mm -hmm. by 11 before most people. Mm -hmm. and And Bunny would be like, yo, I'm not going to give you this, you know, but don't make the people know, you know, because they would kill me, you know. Mm -hmm. So I would get the good records, and I'd get them for a good price, and yeah, that's when that's when it totally I was transformed. That's when you're transformed. Yeah. And did you change your DJ name at this time here? No, we we underwent a few name changes. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so you had joined a crew with a Korean. Yeah. So the person who's been so the older Curry brother, Crazy Hype, mm -hmm. he was part of the bigger sound in the neighborhood, kind of like the, the elders for us. Mm -hmm. uh, they went by Jalov, and that was Corey Riggs and, 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 and a brother named Pookie, a friend of ours named Pookie. Okay. They were kind of like the elders for us. Mm -hmm. And then the first sound we named our sound, which was me and Chilla Corey in 1989, was Foundation Sound. Okay, so from 89, you've been... 89.9, you've been involved with reggae. 89, 89, we started our first sound, which was Foundation Sound. Yeah. And I wasn't an MC. I was ner I was really self-conscious mm -hmm. about being an MC because back then, like, you, you would have to, you, your, your MC, for the most part, had to be black. Mm -hmm. Like, you were really crossing racial boundaries if you were to, to, to pick up a talk a phone and mm -hmm. go on bad as a MC. You're like you're pushing it, mm -hmm. you know. And so, I just wasn't ready. I was, I was trying to. While I'm trying to understand the music, I was trying to understand the culture. 
in depth, you know, whereby, you know, if someone cards me on the culture, I know what to say, you know, yeah. and how to st how to understand everything that's being said, words, you know, patois, all these things. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Okay, yeah. so this this time you guys have your song foundation. Who are you listening to as either selector or MC that you said you know what I like his style here back then? Okay, so during I would say between eighty nine and ninety three was a big a big learning experience for me because that's when I did like all the studying of all the sounds and really got to determine who I liked the most mm -hmm. and. I have to say, I always liked, in terms of my my favorites at that time, mm. my number one favorite was Silverhawk. Okay. Yeah. Silverhawk was my favorite sound. But I also listened to Stone Love when they were clashing. Mm -hmm. I listened to Bodyguard. I listened to Inner City. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, I mean, every sound. Mm. But those, those names just kept on coming up on the cassettes and Super D actually. Yes. I listened to Super D quite a bit, mm -hmm. you know? But there was others. There was others. I studied everything I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. And then actually at the same time, I used to go to Universal Touch. Yes. Those that was my linky right there, the tri the Trini man inside the shopping mall. Okay, can I tell you something? I seen him up to Alim. I seen him up to Two weeks ago? Yeah, I, I still linked yeah, with him. You know? I, I, I linked with him a little while back b because of some personal issues or mm. whatever, and I'm I'm a link up with him. And yeah, man, he was he was instrumental in my cassette, you know, obtaining cassettes. Mm. He, he had the he had the the white speed recorder, mm. which was like Listen. which was cutting edge at the time, right? <laughs> so you go to him, you're mm. like, what? Because he'd never give you the cassette from the mm. from the glass. Mm. <clears throat> he would just pop it in the white machine, the Akai. Yeah. And boom bang it one time. So you'd go there and get all like, you know, four or five cassettes, a buffalino and a fur can go, you're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Buddy, those were the times. Let's see, Universal Touch. And this was in the shopping mall, mm -hmm. right? By um Young and Dundas. Pure grime. <sighs> Pure grime in there, bro. Real real Toronto. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's wild there. Yeah. Okay, so you're buying your cassette. So then now you discovered Record Factory, which is the power base. That's the power base. And you discovered Universal Touch, which is another power base yeah. for cassettes. So you're so now on I'm, your I'm, way. I'm, I'm a monster at this point. I'm just mm. I'm just like you ever see like uh, you know X Men in in when they're just grabbing all that information. <laughs> that that that's that's what's popping right mm -hmm. at that point. I just started to gather all the information, put it in sequence put it in structure. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I'm watching what's going on around me at the time. King Turbo was a big name in Scarborough. Okay. I would hear about King Turbo all the while, see Flyers. Um, who else was a big name at the time in Scarborough that I would hear about? Even heavyweight, you know, basement mm -hmm. dances and these things, because then eventually I ventured out to Malvern and all these things. I went to those basement yeah. dances and, and I'd see heavyweight. I'd see who else at the time. I'm trying to remember. Got my thing was more in Scarborough, yeah. right? We didn't really venture out to the West. So that was that like, would a be like a no-no Red time. Flame, Red Flame, Red King Flame, Turbo, Soul Action. Yeah, Soul Action with because Lyndon lived in the Masonettes around the way from where I lived, right? Okay. So Soul Action, I I thought Soul Action was one of the most underrated sounds. 
I thought. I thought like in terms of like how they played, how mm-hmm. clean they played with records mm-hmm. was incredible. Crazy. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible. But Red Flame was a sound that I studied mm-hmm. very much too because they impressed me a lot as a Canadian sound. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't even really see them as a Canadian sound. I thought they were like, I thought their status was up there with the, even all with the Jamaican sounds, like at that time. Because they were playing so many dubs at that time. They were just, they were, they were a good sound. Yeah. They were a good sound. And then while I was, you know, like while I was starting to, to, to get a bit of notoriety and people start to know me as being like, quote unquote, the white selector from Victoria Park and, yeah. and, and Ellesmere. At the same time, I'd be hear, hearing all these rumblings about another white selector who didn't live mm-hmm. too far from me, about this this person, Frost. 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 I was always hearing this name, Frost. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how old is, how old are you? Yeah. And then through a, a big party, Captain Parkwoods in 1990, mm-hmm. and Frost and Love and Lindo and Red Flame and all these guys just showed up to the curry house and said we're playing here tonight yeah <laughs> and brought their, and then and then the dance became even bigger and it was one of these things where there's like you know 400 people outside and 60 in the basement and i'm like i'm like that would never happen in my house crazy <laughs> <laughs> okay you know? and this is still but that was song. one of one of the that was the one of the first times where i actually like linked up with frost and mm-hmm. you know from back then yeah yeah 1990 this is crazy because, again, I like how you're giving them the timeline because people are going to be really surprised how long it really took to get to where you are. Right I would not reach nowhere yet, brother. That's the thing. This music thing is a journey, right? You don't know. For some people, it works out really quickly and they reach this level of stardom very quickly because, you know, some, some good things happen for them, but everyone's experience is different, right? Yeah. I don't even see my, like, I mean, yeah, it's been 30-odd years, but I don't even, like, the journey's nowhere near complete. No way. You know no what I'm way. So, All right. So, 1990, Foundation song. Yeah. You link for us now. How long did you guys play that song there for, Foundation? Well, we 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 played Foundation, and, I mean, for the most part, it was, like, basement dances and, uh, again, just building, building character and build, and, and and, you know, the ability to entertain people and all these things. Uh, we did that till about 1994, I believe it was, and then 95 we re we re rebranded the sound mm-hmm. and we added like a a hip hop component to it. We added this brother DJ shot to the sound, mm-hmm. and uh, we became Bronix. 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 You know yeah. what? That name sounds extremely familiar. Yeah, we put out some mixtapes mm-hmm. and these things. That that lasted for about. It didn't last too long. Because everybody, we finished high school and we kind of disbanded and, you know, I was at one point about, I would say about 96, 97, I'm like, chuh, mm-hmm. but not reggae stuff, man. I'm going to try something else. Okay. You know, I just, I don't know. It was like, I was like, it, I was like, yeah, may I outgrow this or may I try outgrow this, mm-hmm. you know? And I took a little break and them time did the club scene popped up in Toronto and I just did the, <laughs> the girls in the club thing in, in, for a few years, you know? Yeah. And uh, at one point, I was like, yo, you strayed very far from your roots, brother. So, boom, bang, mm-hmm. back into it. But and now I started setting my sights on 
what we're going to do to build a class sound. Like, how do you get the dubs? Yeah. Okay, because at between Foundation and Branix, you guys didn't voice any dub plates at this we time. We did actually. Yeah. So there's a there's an there's a component that I forget I forgot in 1991, mm-hmm. while all this development was going on. I uh, blessed came to Victoria Park High School in 1991, yeah. and I linked up with Blessed. It, through some mutual friends or whatnot, and then, you know, so every lunchtime we'd go to my house or after school. My house was the music spot. Okay. Right? So Blessed was one of the first artists I've worked with, you know, since them time. To, so we were building cassettes and all these things in 1991, probably 92, 93, <laughs> right? And uh, so that was that was another... that Blessed was one of the first sort of people that... Gave me an idea of what it, how 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 the sound man, you know, interacts with the artist and the role of the of the selector, in terms of mixing down artists and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff too. So I did I got familiar with the artist component of of the sound business as From well. From back there with Blessed, all right. Yeah. So then now, you went through. You guys had your second sound rebranding and stuff. You took a break. You came back. What year did you say you came back? Uh, probably like 98, 97, pro- about two years off, like where I didn't do nothing. Like yeah. I, I, I probably ordered, I started ordering records on the internet because oh. I found a link where mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even have to go to the record shop anymore, right? This internet stuff came out mm-hmm. and I found a thing where you could just buy like any title you had missed over the years. So I, I just started going crazy with purchasing records again. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of like outgrowing, like my skills were developing mm-hmm. as an MC. Like I was, by about 98, I was a well-confident MC. Okay, so you started talking before you actually, you guys disbanded. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at that point, like, I'd, I'd honed my Patois accent, and I, and I was like, I had studied Ricky Trooper. He was like my idol. You understand? So when a lot of people <laughs> try to figure out Forty Rankin and the yeah. school of thought that I'm from, mm-hmm. 90, 94 to like 99, I thought I was Trooper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I, I thought I was the white Ricky Trooper. Yeah. That's what it was, you know? And even before we go even too far, how did you get your name, Forty Rankin? So my dad's, my dad's name mm-hmm. and my son's name and my middle name. Mm-hmm. Is photios? It's a Greek name. Yeah, it means like, like photosynthesis or it li- light. Mm-hmm. It means the light. You see it, and uh, I got that name before Dan Rankin was even created. It's certain. It was actually bigger problem, child. I'm a brother. Mm-hmm. You know, problem, problem would come to the house, and he met my father and whatever else. And my father was a man of very few words and. Kind of very much like myself. So yeah. from problem, see the link and say, yo, brother, if you ever your dad, wicked dog, you're 40 ranking. Right? So that's how the name came about. Yeah. Yeah. That's how the name came about. So now I had the name. I had the vision. Trilla Curry was the, Trilla Curry never left. Mm-hmm. You see me? Me and Trilla Curry are like best friends to this day. And any musical movements that, we created was me and Trilla Curry, always, mm-hmm. always. I didn't do anything without his approval, is he me? And then Problem Child was always there too, from mm-hmm. high school. Okay. 
But when we when we decided to build that ranking sound, I literally just had a book and I, I wrote down every song I wanted on what rhythm. I, I tried to think about names for the sound, so I put a short list together. Mm-hmm. And then out of, out of all the names, in terms of marketability and what sounded right and what would fit in the verses, Dan Rankin sounded the best, and I already had the name Foti Rankin. So mm-hmm. there, was a, there was an association between the two names, and that was just the idea there. Mm-hmm. And then Chilakari was always Chilakari. So that was that was the ball game right there. Right there. And what year was Don Rankin born? 1999. 1999. Yeah. Okay. And when did you guys actually start voicing dubs now for Don Rankin? Yeah, that 1990. The, the sound must have been, we must have came up with the concept in 1998. Mm-hmm. But 99, I got a decent little job, you know, money and, and just money amongst the team was running because you know we're young Mm -hmm. and we're making money from you know different sources and whatever else so there was this like abundance of money to buy dub Mm -hmm. very little responsibility and bills so we just decided me and curry decided curry got a good job too Mm -hmm. and i don't remember exactly how it all happened but it happened on like three different fronts someone someone connected me with sniper Big Rye, and someone connected me with a dub broker. I believe it was Wiz actually connected me to a dub broker by the name of Titus. Yes, that would be that would be the link there. Yeah, yeah Titus. Mm-hmm. He put me onto Titus, and then I'm trying to think what what the other was. So Titus, Big Rye. Oh, and Pablo. Pablo from Sol- me and Pablo were really good friends at that point, and Pablo was voicing. He, he he started his first studio mm-hmm. at his at at his house in Don Mills in the basement, the White yeah. House. And I voiced some of my first. I voiced a handful of dubs when Junior Cat and General Trees and Pinchas came to Pablo's, and we we're, were with him for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I gave Big Rye like three grand, and he voiced me a handful of tunes. And then the fall, a few months later, I went to Jamaica and voiced some tunes, and that's how it started. But it didn't. It, it, I didn't get like one song at once. Mm-hmm. I got like forty songs yeah. through three different sources. What was your first trip like to Jamaica this time here? Now that you've experienced everything on a cassette, you watch your videos, probably mm-hmm. seen some DVDs or VHS mm-hmm. at this time here. When you got down on the ground, now what mm-hmm. was that experience like? Was it what you thought it would be, or was it completely different? I mean, you you go into it thinking that it's like this, you know, perfect experience. But it does, it doesn't really work out that way. You're you're often disappointed by some of the people you held in high regard. You know, certain artists. You're like, yo, that guy was an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, like he sounds like such a nice person on his songs, but <laughs> <laughs> but he's an asshole, and I never want to deal with him again. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you know, it wasn't it wasn't the way you I thought it was going to be but I never took my eyes off the prize and that's and that was getting exactly the the dub that I wanted yeah whether whether the artist and I got along or not that was regardless of that you knew what you went for and this is what I want and who were some of the artists that you actually went for at that time and you voiced in a studio like holy smokes I'm standing beside this person and voicing this dub the first time I stood beside Buju and we recorded a song, I was like, yo, you reach somewhere, youth. 
<laughs> or Bounty Killer, because yeah. Bounty was enormous at the time. Like, mm -hmm. it's not in 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 say 2001. Wasn't how it is today, where you just wake up, turn on your phone, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Yo, Bounty Killer session Aguan." Back then, you had to work your way up to that link. Or someone said, "Yo, if you if you even if you had the money, mm -hmm. and you'd say, "Yo, what going with Bounty Killer Linky?" They'd be like, yo, you're not ready for them link there yet, dog. <laughs> You'd be like, what do you mean I'm not ready for that link yet? Why not? Yeah. I have the money. But it was there was a lot more involved back then, right? Like, it, first of all, it was a matter of being taken seriously. Mm -hmm. Then it was a matter of trusting, you know, your money into thin air. And then it was like getting it from Federal Express. That was another ball game, right? So, you know, now it's beautiful. Now, I often cut dubs now without mm -hmm. exchanging a word with a person. That's I'll insane. just be like, yo, big up Chester Lee, Palm Accord, this and that. Here are the sound names. Make sure it comes back the way I want it. <laughs> and then you just, you put it to rest. You wait a couple of days and then, boom, you just look in your email and there's what you asked for. Crazy. But it wasn't like that back then, mm -hmm. ever at all. And who would you say would have been your artist that you wanted to say, okay, this is the artist I want to represent, Don Rankin's song? I'll be honest with you, I might say something that may shock some people right now, but after doing this for as long as I've been doing it, mm -hmm. I never try to say, okay, boy, all right, so-and-so are my artists. I never say that anymore. Mm -hmm. Simply because... It'll either fade with time, or interests will change, or if a man just found a bag of money, then mm -hmm. he may not necessarily be your artist anymore. So I don't, I don't do that, mm -hmm. and I try to, to to spread you know, spread the songs across the board per se. But you know, personally, I have some artists that are are my favorites. Okay, you see what I'm saying? But. Um, you know, to me, I, I think Idonia is a great artist. Uh, I, I'm, I've always been a big fan of Capleton. I think Junior Gong is phenomenal. Chronics is an artist that I like to listen to. Uh, and as far as singers go, I would say, like, Barrington Levy is a, is a singer that I can listen to for hours. Yeah. You see, like, for example, like, I like Barris. I understand why his songs are exclusive and whatever else, but I'm not a man who wants to watch Barris for two hours. Mm -hmm. But I can listen to Barrington for two hours, and that's fair enough. It's like at least you can make opinion. up your own. Yeah, that's what it is. Your own mind. Preference. It's not because I disrespected this person. No, this no. is just what I prefer. They're great, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, as you start to form personal favorites, mm -hmm. right? Like as to why, and you know. Mm -hmm. All right, good. You guys went to Jamaica. You cut some dubs up here, the Junior Can, all that with Frost and all that. That yeah. time there. So now, when was the first time that you guys actually went into a clash now? So what what we did was, once we really caught steam with the song thing, mm -hmm. I, connect, I reconnected with Blessed again in, in 2000. Mm -hmm. And uh, Blessed was like, yo, Frost a bad studio, but yo, me I carry go a turbo. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be a blessed start rule. Yeah. And he carried me over. And and I I only I I I knew eventually me and Turbo them would link up like that at some point because 
you know, it, it had only been coincidental that our paths hadn't crossed sooner. Mm-hmm. So, boom, bang, no. Blessed takes me to, to King Turbo. They had just opened up the new studio on Brimley there. Brimley and Shepherd, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, ju- they just opened it up, literally. The drywall was still fresh. And those were our prime cutting years, like 2000 to 2005. Like, mm-hmm. the budget was unlimited, brother. And we, we just, we, and uh, Ricky can, or um, Andrew can tell you, like, I basically, we, Don Rankin, lived in King Turbo Studio. Like, any, if an artist was there, mm-hmm. we were there voicing multiple dubs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but at the same time, the way we went about it was we didn't want nobody to know about us. We didn't want, so we voiced, we voiced in King, in King Turbos and outside of King Turbos for about five years and amassed a big collection of dub plates. Without clashing or playing anywhere at this Nowhere. Time. Like we didn't, we didn't even, I didn't want, like we, we, we approached it like it was like a total secret mission. Yeah. Because we knew that when we were going to launch our thing, we wanted the element of surprise. And how do you keep such a, something so big, such a secret? Because obviously if I come to the studio three, four, five, hey buddy, who are you? Yeah, what no, people, people, <laughs> people saw us yeah. and people put three and three together, mm-hmm. right? So by about 2004 now, cause I'm in zone one, I'm, I'm preying everything. I'm watching at the time, White Boy I go on with a thing, mm-hmm. Lexa Supreme I go on with a thing, um, Polyfamous I go on with a thing, Klepto, Desert Storm, all these sounds. So I'm preying everything and I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm cutting accordingly, mm-hmm. right? Um, but people people got to know so there's, there's a sound. Cause back then, there was a person on the sound. I forgot to big him up. He hasn't been around for a while. Blood splash. Big up blood yes. splash. Yes. Anyway, I'm stand up because that you the John know the amount of work he put into the sound was just like crazy. And and I and I honor it and I respect it. Mm-hmm. But he's no longer a part of the sound for 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 various reasons, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um but he he went that brother there put his life on the line to get a certain songs. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, so people, people, re- people start to talk and say, "Yo, you have, you have two white brother from Scarborough, you know, go, they're going crazy with the tune thing right now." Mm-hmm. And word started to circulate, but it was only, <coughs> excuse me, it was like late '04, '05 when we had, you know, accomplished the majority of the mission. Mm-hmm. Things started, people started to put the intelligence together, you know? <laughs> and then they would start to ask Turbo, they would start to ask Andrew, like, yo, how them brother ya? Why not tell me about them? We had to try keep secret. And they, they pulled them up for, you know, mm-hmm. keep it, keeping our, our business a secret, right? Mm-hmm. So then, 05 now, we said we're ready, cause we got the things that we wanted. We got the bounties, we got the bojus, we got the, you know, because we were cutting a lot of foundation. Mm-hmm. The, this, our mentality at the time was, you have to cut foundation first. You have to. Mm-hmm. And once you're bored of cutting foundation, then you get to Capleton, Buju, Cobra, you know, Movado, Cartel, all these guys were coming up at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a lot of those artists and we just felt we were ready, you know. And, and so 
the launching pad for us was at the time Ron Nelson or Ron the Plias. Ron, big up Ron, because Ron gave me, Ron gave us our first opportunity, is it? But I was like, at the time when, when we we're trying to figure out where and how to launch, we're like, okay, fully loaded, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, that's where it all started, professional. I had clashed a few little small clashes in the neighborhood and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was like part 45s, a few local dubs, that kind of thing. But the first real professional clash was in Zone 1 in, in October of 2005. Okay. Walk us through that dance here because <laughs> I remember, I just want to know what you remember from your point there. Well, I remember shaking uncontrollably and just, yeah. Once I walked on the stage, like I, my leg was bouncing and I couldn't control it. That was my first. That was my first. I was like, "Yo, I want your leg, brother." <laughs> I'm, I'm, and I think at one point, I was even like holding my leg down, or I think I almost tripped on stage. And that was like for the first like four minutes, mm-hmm. and then people just saw us wheeling big. Like we were spending tunes in the first round, where like people were like, "Yo, man, you got done the dance tonight, first round, dog." Like. We're messing up the playing order mm-hmm. because the sequence of songs we're firing in the first round were were huge by mm-hmm. Canadian standards at the time. And uh, from the fir- from, you know we played the first round at Zone One that night, and we were up against some pretty some pretty harsh competition. Like mm-hmm. the people, Ron Nelson. Ron Nelson's a character. He's like, all right, white boy, I go on like a confident. I'm gonna put you in there with, with some real killers and see what's popping. Do you remember you know? who was in there you were? <laughs> so, okay. I mean, the person, the sound that I was afraid of the most, mm-hmm. the most that night was King Klepto. Mm-hmm. I know Radication was there too. You guys were in there, Wars Kapian. Um, I'm, I, was, I was trying to remember the lineup on the way here, you know, and I mm-hmm. couldn't remember fully. Uh, I remember you guys. I remember Polly. I remember who else was in there. Total Eclipse was in there. Was Mystic in that one? Mystic. Mystic yeah. was in there. Yeah, Mystic. Mm-hmm. It, the dance basically boiled down to Mystic, Dan Ranking, King Klepto, and Radication. That's mm-hmm. what it boiled down to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, big up Polymer General. He, yo, I, I respect Polly to the max. But, yeah, I won that night. Mm-hmm. We won. Dan Ranking won. Okay. Don't move too fast because yeah. I, if I remember good... This was, you and Polly, I think, got into it this time here. And this was where the Gucci print. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, it was, there were some memorable moments over there. So my game plan, yeah. my game plan at the time was to attack Polly mm-hmm. because I feared him the most. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I cannot let this guy get in front of the dance. Mm-hmm. And find that comfort zone where he starts cussing you in that harsh Jamaican lingo. I couldn't let that happen. Mm-hmm. So I attacked him first. And I made, I think it was at the beginning of the second round, I made this big speech because he had he had he had slapped white boy. So I made this big speech where I said, Yeah boy, you, you feel like you can't box. Bad white man. And I said something to the effect of, hey boy, may I give you some kick in your face with a Gucci boot? I'll, I'll give you some Gucci print, right? A legendary. And the, play, and the place to lift up, brother, because I was, I was Gucci'd out and mm-hmm. 
whatever else. And uh, as I said that, I played um, I played what later became, uh, which was one of the biggest forwards in Zone One history. Mm-hmm. I played who you calling white boy, yes. right? And done the place like literally, literally yes. the the roof came off of Zone One, bro. Mm-hmm. Like. It was like after that, I felt like I'd been injected with heroin. I was like, <laughs> yo, this is amazing. Right? Like it was a forward that I think like lasted like five minutes. Yes. Right? And it was just and then I knew at that point I had gotten under Polly's skin, mm-hmm. you know, after that. And it was just like back then it was it was different, right? Like a big section of zone one was the klepto tugs them and then this side of zone one, I done ranking tugs them, and you're moving in big, you know, 50, 60 people mm-hmm. circles and these types of things, right? So, but everyone was cool, but it was like this intense, this intensity in the room, and, mm-hmm. you know, and then people took us seriously after that second round, and then the momentum just kept going. Third round and fourth round was even worse, you know? I would just walk to the trophy, no tune for tune. Was that the one Chin was hosting? No, no. Chin Chin was the following year in 06. So in 05, though, mm-hmm. when we won, the night we won was week two, which then took us to the finals the following week. Mm-hmm. So we won against the sounds that I that I mentioned previously. And then that was, I mean, we enjoyed that for 24 hours. And then we were like, okay, now we're going up against... Super fresh, black reaction. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I think Rebel Tone was in it. I'm not sure. The, I can't the, remember. These were the, the like the super, dogs, yeah. the super heavyweights mm-hmm. in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I think was Pizen, No, Pizen, that was the year next year. Mm-hmm. But it was a, the, the who's who was in night three. Mm-hmm. The who's who of the Canadian sounds was in night three, and uh, you know we we. We got some dubs, we got some customs, we got some whatever. And then it was off to the next week mm-hmm. to go clash, black reaction, super fresh, studio mix, just the, the heavyweights. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, we, we placed third. Okay. We placed third in night three against all those heavyweights. Um, so I was, you know, I was quite proud of the sound and, 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 I felt we could have did a little bit better, mm-hmm. but at the same time, people, you know, people wanted to slow us down a little bit because they were, I think, I think part, part of it was the fact that we kind of bamboozled the sound system fans and, you know, like fraternity by keeping entirely quiet and then just ending up in night three. So they're like, Yo, somebody slow this white guy down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially after roughing up Polly in his house. In his house, yeah. Because zone, I mean? one, zone one was Polly's yard, like mm-hmm. literally Polly's yard. Yeah, right? so they said, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah, so, so that week that they had to really like put us under a microscope, mm-hmm. it was a big thing. In this, I was getting calls. People were threatening me, telling me, don't show up. All kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, I, like people would call me and they'd be like, don't hang up. <laughs> they'd be like, yo, pussy, but I show up, you know. <laughs> right, and I'd be like, yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> right, but it was, it was, but it was, it was just this madness, right? Mm-hmm. Like where 
because of of how quickly everything came mm-hmm. to the forefront right it was just literally a week between the first time we performed and then going to the finals of fully loaded so it was very interesting it was mm-hmm. great yeah we had a blast you know all right so then that was fully loaded uh, the first the second night you guys placed first you guys won first and then the week after with the big dogs now you guys came third third okay cool yeah. but that's Black still- reaction one mm-hmm. and then studio mix and then done ranking yeah. yeah that's still amazing i remember you're just popping yeah. out of nowhere that was our second us. dance yeah. of all time right like Crazy. that was the second dance we ever performed in yeah. and i was like i was it was a learning like aside from the fact that i'm trying to kill sounds like mm-hmm. it was just a that was really my real first time of really trying to you know navigate the controls and we're playing turntables at the time too and and you know just really get to understand how to how to really perform mm-hmm on a sound system that big and with the clashing component to it, right? Yeah. Crazy. All right. So then what was your your next big clash after the fully loaded set? I think we we were if I'm not mistaken, we just took like time off and built dubs again. Yeah. And we didn't compete until the next fully loaded in 2006. Okay. All right. So then that now, that's the one that Shin was hosting. Oh, and actually, you know what? We're in some other Ron Nelson promotions, which was like, um, I believe it was. Statement? Statement. Yeah. Statement. Yeah. Statement dance, which was, again, it wasn't a clash, but it was mm-hmm. very close to being a clash. Mm-hmm. And this is where, like, you'd play, like, I think two half hour rounds or something like that. And. So it's one of these things where you control words at people, and you know it may go where it may go somewhere, it may not. Mm-hmm. But it's you know typically has to do with you know you getting the edge on the opponent and timing and that sort of thing, right? So we did that, got some played very well there too mm-hmm. on both occasions. One was in Scarborough, and I think one was at Zone One, mm-hmm. and then off to 2006, fully loaded again. This and then this was in Zone One again. Zone One again. This is the one hosted by Chin. Hosted by Chin. All right. Tell me what happened that night there. So we're we did really well again, mm-hmm. and and the lineup this time around was I think maybe even bigger than the year before. Um, yeah, just we we started to revise. You know, Sansu had been here for a long time, doing really well. Mm-hmm. The game was changing now. We're they were taking you know they were being eliminated in the second round and mm-hmm. and we we're having a lot to do with that sort of thing and uh, you know so, so a lot of things are shifting around as a result of our our you know entry into the clash world at that time what i remember specifically from that clash was chin picking up the mic and said hey listen i yo i ain't racist so don't interpret what I'm about to say wrong, but this is the wickedest white boy I've seen play sound in my life. I'm going to keep it real. Radigan or Radigan, but yo, in bad. Yeah, man, I said that. And that was, and I put on, we put on, I put on a hell of a performance that mm-hmm. night, like in terms of, you know, MCing and, cla- and and showing off clash skills, mm-hmm. you know, because what I think I brought to the table at that time that had never really been seen in Canada before was 
sort of, you know, quote unquote, the fearless white boy, you know? It had never really been seen like that before where I wasn't afraid to speak my mind. I wasn't afraid to say the harshest of things to my opponent. So, mm-hmm. you know, they couldn't really box me in with the traditional, you know, staying at your white boy Leon mentality. You, know? you, you weren't trying to come and pass him, pass him up the thing. No. You know what I mean? It's no, like there, was no, there was no friendship to the thing. There was, I, I realized that I was a, a Greek or white MC or whatever you want to call it in a black sport and environment. But I was just like, I had studied the rules and I know what was acceptable and what wasn't. And I was going to try and go for that title, as they say, hell or high water. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's when another catchphrase, Demagosofa. Yeah. Yeah, that was my <laughs> thing back then, right? Because it was all about like, I was very, I, I was always very aggressive when it, with, <laughs> with my MCing style, right? But yeah, that one there, Kanek, you know, yeah. that one there, people wanted to hear me say that all the and when I would see it, I'd see people like fall <laughs> to the ground and they're like, oh, they, they, they just wanted to hear me say, yo, yeah, so far, right? And that was my, co- that was one of my coin phrases at the time, you know? No, that was big. When you heard that, that was big. And how did you guys do it that fully loaded there now? We play second. Okay. We play second. I mean, again, that were arguably we could have, should have won that because mm-hmm. we're we're leading that clash the whole night. Is that the one where Super Fresh won? No, Super Fresh got eliminated in round two at that one. Yeah, they got eliminated first elimination. Mm-hmm. I went after them right right from the jump, and they got them out early because they were a threat, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, anyhow, you let these guys get the chun for chun. Our worries. My mentality at the time was not tune for tune, mm-hmm. right? Because some of these older sounds, like you could you could start the dance up, but then when you get the tune for tune with these guys, you get all a six love, brother. You know, and I was like, <laughs> yo, no, the man you're not getting a tune for tune, yeah. right? So I did everything in my power strategically to get super fresh mm-hmm. out, and they were gone in second round. Poison Dart was in that with Tarantula, yeah. That's big. Poison Dart was in that one with Tarantula. Mm-hmm. And the dance boiled down to Dan Rankin, Rootsman, Paisen Dot, and maybe Junior D. Mm-hmm. And then me and Super Fresh started going at it. They played back a song, they were gone. Mm-hmm. And then and, and Tarant- and me and Tarantula started to go at it. Long story short, um, Paisendot and Superfresh get kicked out. It comes down to Roots, man, and Dan Rankin. And it was just an advantageous situation for them. They had they had about, I remember Chuna fly like Rian that night, because mm-hmm. there's pure heavyweights on there, right? So we both ended up in the fourth round, if I'm not mistaken, and then... They had some left. They had some leftover songs, some customs for me. And although we played better than them throughout the whole night, mm-hmm. they ran with a fourth and one, and they got first place and they get second place. You know, okay, okay. Yeah. crazy. So three fully loaded. So it's basically you did number one, two, and three. You know basically, what I mean? Yeah, one, two, or three. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Early in the conversation, you said Trooper. Yeah. Was your my idol? Idol. My idol. Okay. Still is to this day. Yeah. Still Do you is. remember 
when you and Trooper actually met now yeah. for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So fast forward to few thousand and eight now. Mm-hmm. I get a call from well not me, problem. Problem got a call from Jill. Mm-hmm. And back then they were doing that series where they would, it was the first time New York and Toronto had really linked up. Mm-hmm. You see me? And I think it was like, you know, Rootsman and was involved in, like in some of the, I forget the name of the promotion. I think it was called, I forget the name of the promotion, but it was a series. Okay. It was a series. I thought that was the Back to Basics. Back to Basics. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Back to Basics. Mm-hmm. It was a series that lasted for a good year or so, mm-hmm. right? But, um, yeah, Joe's like, yo, King Turbo, Dan Rankin, Ricky Trooper. I was like, wow, this looks really <laughs> exciting, but I'm scared. <laughs> right? And uh, over between, say, 06 and 08, we were vicing or whatever, but we were plagued with some personal issues within the sound. Okay. So we weren't really, when we went into that dance, we weren't really at a high point mm-hmm. in our in our, in our our sound. Mm-hmm. So, but I took the dance. I'm like, in my mind, I was like, you know, I don't know when I'd ever get a chance to clash Trooper again. This is like my dream. Mm-hmm. But something in the back of my mind was like, you're not ready for Trooper, mm-hmm. you know? Anyways, I went in there. <laughs> we clashed. We had a, I didn't get locked off. I didn't go home. I didn't, nothing. I was right there, right to the end. Mm-hmm. But I me take some bucks from Trooper, yeah. you know? But in my mind, I was like, I didn't even, I went home happy. I was like, if, if anyone's going to give you bucks, it's going to be Trooper. And I was like, I'd rather learn from the best. And I learned a lot that night. Mm-hmm. You just, and, and, and part of it too for me when I clashed Trooper was, I was starstruck. It really was. And I've seen it, I've seen it happen to a lot of people who clashed Trooper. Yeah. Right? Because for a lot of us, Trooper was was our mentor, even though we don't want to admit it. Like when the mm-hmm. bravado comes up mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the ego and all these things. But Trooper was our idol. Like, I hear people's dub boxes, like, and I hear their 90s selection. I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, this brother was listening to Trooper <laughs> hard, brother. Like, they got every every dub Trooper voiced on Jaro, them of it, Pandasiam Riddim. Mm-hmm. So a big part of it for me when I clashed Trooper was I was, I was starstruck mm-hmm. and... Had a hard time even imagining I'm I'm clashing the great Ricky Trooper. Yeah. Because if I remember good, that night Trooper didn't ease up. He came to I think it was He came for was, me for the yeah. most part. Yeah. He, he left true he left Turbo alone. He mm. saw so he I guess I personally think he saw like this fighting spirit in me where he was like, Yeah, I wanted to do that little white bread I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> step on him neck. Mm-hmm. Right? But he saw something that just like the styles clicked, yeah. you know, and him just text set by me, mm-hmm. you know, he forgot about Ricky. It was just like trooper text set on 40 ranking. I was like, I saw it go sometime, mm-hmm. you know. And that was one, and that was one of your, that was probably your first experience of actually meeting your idol. Yeah. Where this is somebody that I thought I was him for like five, six years, and now I have to actually face him. It's yeah, like, man. It was just like, there was, there was, there was, Times where I was just like, okay, I'd, I'd keep my focus, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, we have to kill him. But then, then you just hear him talk, and you'd be mesmerized and be like, yo, he might beat me up, you know. 
<laughs> you know, and it's just like, it yeah. is what it is. You Ricky know, Trooper. it's a learning experience. Yeah. And King Kerbo was in it too. This is the same. But this time, Kerbo was, I think, was going through the problems. At this they time. were uh, going through problems. That was the Ricky, Ricky. side. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't notice this up until the other day. But Nikos Famous was selecting for t- for Ricky at the time. You know what? You're right because how I even remember the dance. I'm going to be 100. percent I seen somebody post that video a couple of days ago. Yeah, it was. It, it it all started to resurface. They beat me in one of the WhatsApp groups. Yeah, and uh, it was a joy for them to see me getting beat up by Ricky Chupa. <laughs> so everyone put it on their Instagram. Yeah. They're like, yeah, man, watch a white boy. Get, watch him get beat up. No, no. Watch Ricky Trooper beat up the white yeah. boy. Crazy. So it was, it was great. But I've learned, I've learned how to uh, laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, I've learned how to laugh at myself. I was, in those days, I was like really intense about the whole sound thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, life is way bigger than sound clash. You know, and that's how I look at life. Mm-hmm. And I'm just happy to still be here doing this after 30 years. Crazy, you know. Give me two, no, three of your most memorable clashes mm-hmm. that you guys won. That we won. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd have to say the one with Polly would have been very memorable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, one clash that I thought was was a clash that we played very well in. We didn't win, mm-hmm. but we lost. We lost three to two in Chun for Chun simply because, like, I think the cops rolled into Hickory House and. They were they were just like yo we're locking this down and they, mm-hmm. they just packaged it up and said I lost but we I mean I felt as though we won was uh, Outcast Innocent and Dan Rankin at Hickory House was a very memorable clash for me as well. What happened in that clash? Yeah? Um, we I mean technically I should have walked out after I mean we won I think we won three out of the four rounds like decisively. Mm-hmm. And then there was no real need for tune for tune. Like, we could have made an argument to say, okay, boy, we'll walk out. Mm-hmm. But the place was ram, and I was just feeling good. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to play tune for tune with Innocent. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think, they, it was like few to few. And then the police came in, because, you know, the police had a thing for that place at the time. And then the promoter, Michael Moore, big up Michael mm-hmm. Moore. He's like, yo, we'll just have to wrap this up right now. And they declared mm-hmm. innocent the winner kind of thing, right? Crazy. Okay, but so the outcast had dropped out of this We one. dropped outcast. Yeah, like yeah. They, they dropped out first. Mm-hmm. And uh, another one that I won that was memorable. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was a clash that took place in 2019. It was Dan Rankin, No Limit. And uh, who was it? Mm-hmm. King Julius, I believe it was. Yes. Y- younger sounds. I mean, No Limit's not a younger sound. They got No Limit. I'm a general. Mm-hmm. Glendon Ellis. <laughs> and uh, I, w- I lost the first round. I lost the second round. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time for me whereby, you know, the things I learned from Panta and some of these greats whereby I was like, okay, I'm gonna take control of this. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play like dead, mm-hmm. and then reemerge. You know. And then in the third round, I did the maths. I'm like, okay, if them if him win third round, mm-hmm. they can ball lock off or whatever. So boom bang. 
come in now and win the third round or the fourth. I can't remember what it was. The last round. Mm -hmm. Force a thing into tune for tune. So losing all the dance and then and then win the last round. So then now I start to make an argument to the crowd. Yo, this I go tune for tune. I want to them boy there. Yo, yeah, idiot, me win third round. I go tune for tune. And then realized that I had the power to convince an audience mm -hmm. and did that. Got the tune for tune. And then just erased the boy, Glenda, in a tune for tune. <laughs> Yo, Glenda, you know, say, I shoot me, I talk, brother. <laughs> just end, end Glendon career in a, tur in a, tur in a tune for tune. Robot. Yeah. And then from there, it, it was just like, we won, I think, three more trophies mm -hmm. uh, that year in yeah. 1999. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were doing some things. We won one in St. Catharines. We won another one against I Clash uh, No Limit and King Aggression in September of 2019. This was before the COVID stuff came mm -hmm. in, right? And that one there, I, I really enjoyed that clash as well, you know? And uh, But it just gave me a different view of myself in terms of being able to influence the crowd a certain way, you Makes know? Sense. Has Dan Rankin ever left Canada to go clashing? We clashed in Brooklyn once. Okay. Yeah, we clashed in Brooklyn once. Um, the 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 result wasn't very favorable, but it was it was kind of set up in such a way that we weren't gonna we weren't gonna win, yeah. right? Like we were clashing Black Magic and Yared, I believe it was, mm -hmm. and that was in uh, in the '90s section of Brooklyn, mm -hmm. and literally, like the venues here and Black Magic live here. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not, and it was a small event. Like I thought we were going there to to clash in a bigger venue where, you know, we might be able to collect some mm -hmm. neutral votes, but it just, it was, it was a package deal, you know, yeah. but I saw the thing go. That's it. Okay. Give me three <laughs> clashes that you lost that you think you really deserve to lose these clashes here because you weren't on your A game at this time. For sure. Um, there was a clash between... I mean, we had a bit of a rivalry going with Stepachais at one point, too, right? Big up the whole Stepachais family. Mm -hmm. I respect that sound, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, big up Mr. Venom. Big up Lomba, the whole team, Itchy One. Mm -hmm. But uh, I clashed them. I clashed them, Vertex, and Black Magic. Mm -hmm. That was in 2012. And the last, and we went tune for tune with uh, Stepachais. Mm -hmm. And we went up five to one. And we were just, we needed to get the six. <laughs> and they ended up winning. I, I generally uh -huh. thought we should have won that. Mm -hmm. But to get to your question, in, in 2015, we clashed against um, Love, Love People, I believe it was. Yeah. And with Gary Famous and Stepa Chais. And that dance there, we took a beating. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Stepa Chais then put a beating power. I'm, I'm going to go around it. Yeah? And Rumble was another dance. We were in the first Rumble in 2016. That's what I wanted to get into. And and, and that is another another dance that I don't think we performed well at all. And mm -hmm. But it has... See, what a lot of people don't know about the sound system thing 
is that it has a lot to do with how your personal life is. For sure. At any given time. Mm-hmm. You see? So in 2016, my I, I had I was a new father, like kids were one I had twins. Mm-hmm. They were one years old. My it was just like it was like pulling someone out of retirement and asking them to clash, you know. It was like I was just I wasn't in the sound meds. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we tried to put you know a few tunes together or whatever and go to the big stage and you know as far as as the the elements are concerned that dance there was for turbo it was just it was history was already in the making that dance was for turbo so you know I, I don't think I stood a chance simply because you know fate had been written you see it and uh, but again those two dances I just felt I didn't do very well at all mm-hmm. you know. No, I see that. I'd say when you guys don't do good, what I find is it's usually a disconnect between, between you, you for and sure. Curry. For sure. You know what I mean? Where it's just, you can't get it together. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 there's been aspects of that. But you see, the thing is, is that Curry, as of late, Curry's been on his A game. That's mm-hmm. how we won those clashes in mm-hmm. in 2019. Um, but I'm I'm from another era. Mm-hmm. Right, and my mentality is this: is that you see, if if I don't play good or Curry don't play good on a given night, it now left your friend on the back of field, dog. Mm-hmm. No matter what. Nowadays, most sounds are like quick to say, "Yo, yo, if it, if you bench that boy there or mm-hmm. put in the sub or whatever the case, no, 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 go so." Mm-hmm. Curry, Curry's been. A soldier since day one, and Curry will always remain a top soldier, plain and simple. Just like that, for real, for real, 100%. Because you see, the thing I like with you, Foti, is you're a realist. Real. You understand, okay, this is working, this isn't working. Yeah, we did good here, we didn't do good here. This is the problem, this night. That's what I like, and you actually verbalize it also. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I just feel as though, like, there's a lot of power in spoken word, as the Rastaman them say. Mm-hmm. Words, powers, and song. You know, when you're on trial for murder, it's words that are gonna get you off. You know, so there's a lot of power mm-hmm. in words. You know, so I do, and and that's another thing that I've incorporated into my style now that I think is is paying off incredibly. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I first forward onto the scene, it was about having the the, the real fascination was like okay. White boy can't chat patwa good, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's not about that. Now life has changed. You know the badman element thing is out, and most of the people that you're playing for mm-hmm. are working class people that want to hear working class. They don't want to hear you say, "Yo, yeah, go rise the SLR and boss off a man." You know what I mean? They want to hear something yeah. that correlates to their life. Mm-hmm. And with maturity and with, as you say, you know, accepting reality and whatever else, I've morphed into that style. I've morphed with the times. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I'm incorporating a lot of, like, speaking proper English into my routine, which allows me to get out a lot of dialogue, right? So there's a lot more to see with this sound. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we're, we're transitioning. We're rebranding. We're we're honing our style. Yeah, we're trying to maintain relevance. We're trying to, you know, do all these things. But my style is changing mm-hmm. and has changed. 
Definitely. You know what? It, it's actually good to see that you can evolve. You have to. With the times. You have to. Yeah. Because between few thousand, few thousand and five to few thousand and twenty-one, mm-hmm. it's like we're living in two different universes, brother. You know what I'm saying? So unless you morph, like if you do a wrong thing these days, they'll put you on blast and shun you. Mm-hmm. That's how the world is set up. Mm-hmm. Cancel culture. Yeah, right? It's like, it wasn't like that before. Back in the days, you could do something, but it's not going to get like mega publicity like it will in certain circles or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now you do you do the wrong thing and it's like, you know, the whole Me Too movement one time. Yeah. You know, so you got to learn how to morph with the times and political correctness and all these things, you know, to a degree. I'm not really a politically correct guy. Yeah. I just find that this business is untamable. Mm-hmm. That's that's what made me, that's what attracted me to the Sound Clash business, is that I did the math, and I'm like, yo, this business is untamable, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, I've seen people try to package it as a business concept and try to structure it like, okay, show starts, you know, right at 10 and... Yeah. First round ends at 10.30, but it's untamable. It can't be tamed. That's why it has never really entered the mainstream fully, Mm -hmm. right? It's just hard to tame this business. It's a different beast. It's a wild beast, brother. Right now, 2021, all right? As soon as we get out of this lockdown, Canadian-wise, who is the laser pointed at? Where are you saying, that's who? Meets to dead. Well, I'll be honest with you. I just, I have to go through the list again, but I'll be, I would say, in terms of Canada. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go international. Yeah, I I think X Loaded has to die. Mm -hmm. Like a boy, crazy bones. In Anomanas, it must be dead. Right? Um, Climax is a sound that I would like to clash as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to see me clash Soul Survival, but I'm trying to go around that one. They come here, my friend. You see, Pablo Big Up. But that, that one's been talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, be honest with you, even, you know, Pali, I'm a general, but I wouldn't mind clashing Klepto again. Is it Rebel Tone. You know, these are all the sounds that I would like to clash. But I'm a, I'm a, I and the sound... We're like this too. We'll give anybody a chance. And often it isn't even about money or nothing because if I say I'm a big sound, Mm -hmm. right? And a sound where that's just, you know, coming into the game, set him one, clash me. How am I a big sound? And I can't clash something that should be an easy test for me, right? Like I heard Ranger's interview yesterday. Mm -hmm. I'm big up Ranger. Ranger. Ranger and... Rootsman and Dan Rankin are are related, like there are family relations on that between that sound. Kaisi Curry them mm-hmm. and David Boy them, they're first cousins. Okay. Yeah, so so there's there's like a familial thing. So like when 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 they go back to like they're always li- linking up in Clarendon and mm-hmm. Moko and Beckford Crawl and these places, right? So there's a connection there. But I heard Ranger talking about 
you know, he he'll only pick and choose whatever. I'm I'm my mentality is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I'll clash anybody, small sound or big sound. But historically, I never seen anyone give me quote unquote the blight to say okay, put him up against some smaller sounds, make him dominate. Right. You know, like it's always against like the the toughest competition, mm-hmm. and I accept that, right? But. You know, so so perhaps we haven't won all the clashes we're supposed to, but I'm willing to take on small sounds and big sounds. Mm-hmm. You know, that's for the your, love of the game. That's your stance there. That's my stance. Where you would think, okay, give me three world sounds that has to dead. Okay. Well, first and foremost, my goal when the thing opens up, and this is my primary goal right now, mm-hmm. our primary goal. I, ca- I have to stop saying me. Mm-hmm. Our primary goal is when when everything is officially opened up and there isn't, you know, these corona issues to contend with, Mm -hmm. I want to clash in Jamaica. That's what I want. That's my my primary focus. Mm -hmm. I think that I have something to offer the the Jamaican audience that's going to be very marketable, you Mm -hmm. know? And, And I think that a true measure... Of, of your worth is clashing in Jamaica. That's how I feel. Still in 2021? That still is where the goalpost is right now, you think? No, I mean, a lot of people will say New York, mm-hmm. but not not to me. Mm-hmm. Not to me. You know, like, and I think the New Yorkers need to get that through their mind because I hear them saying that daily. Mm-hmm. Oh, New York and Mecca. No, man. In, New York has never been and will never be the Mecca. And I don't care who wants to get mad. Mm-hmm. Right? Clashes keep their yes. But New York is just the offspring of Jamaicans. You understand? Jamaica is the Mecca, will always be the Mecca. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I would like, and I want to go take part in one of these dances whereby, you know, it's somewhere in the country and there's a big, big population there and peanut man and all these things, you know, like the stuff that you're not going to see here where you're not in a rush for time, Mm -hmm. right? These are all the things that really, I think, you know, get us, you know, out of, it's it's a lot more enjoyable when you're not under strict time guidelines and these types of things, right? So I just, I just think that if Jamaica sees me clash, they'll give me certain ratings if I perform well, you know? So that's that's what I want to do. That's where you want to go. Yeah. Okay, sound-wise, who needs the dead? The boy Jenks yeah. from Twin Tower. I'm not dead. Because me and him catch up in a little sop, man. We were supposed to clash on uh, Marcus Sky's platform, mm-hmm. Wadi, and, and he agreed to it. I agreed to it because I chased him down on the internet. I said that he was a paper champ and that yeah. <laughs> he was clashing some little baby sounds out going on like him, mm-hmm. but... So I'm going to say, yo, you're on Dan Rankin, one-on-one, one-v-one, one, brother. Yeah, you're big sound, you garnet them, you're brown them, like we do it. Mm-hmm. And then finally he agreed, and then a couple of days later he pulled out. So infidel, see it. And internationally, mm-hmm. I have to, I want to kill, a, I want to kill a Jamaican sound, you know. So as far as good competition, mm-hmm. I would say like, I would like to, I, I wouldn't mind clashing because from what I see right now, mm-hmm. like who's active and who's not, I would say I wouldn't mind clashing Innocent again, the Jamaican version of Innocent. Yeah. 
and that sound there, rough cut, is a sound where I, I like how they're, I like how them go on for a Jamaican sound, right? Because they're kind of putting in, they're kind of restoring the 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 the, the faith, you know, into the sounds in Jamaica where they're cutting a lot of tunes and so I'm gonna them like that, that sound there. Rough you know, cut. yeah, black blunt is another sound that I would consider clashing. Mm-hmm. You know, them caliber sound. You know, that's where it's at for you. Yeah, 2021. You've been in the business, not even fully clashing, but in the business, playing music from 1990 and stuff like that. Yeah, 2021. What's the state of sound clash right now? Where it is today? Well, I mean, I always have positive things to say about sound clash, and. You know, some people might say, why 90s were the greatest and built more? And personally, I love it all, mm-hmm. right? I, I love the fast music. I like the new music. I mean, with the evolution of the internet and computers and being able to sit in a room and build a beat and build a song in, in the comfort of your own basement, you know, my respect, I love it, mm-hmm. you know? So, I, I mean, personally, I love the state mm-hmm. of, of the current uh status of clash but you know you just have to morph with the times like anything right like clashes right now the definition of a clash right now is you know staring into a camera and trying to figure out that art form Mm -hmm. right um you know it's just it's what's odd to me is what people find acceptable and unacceptable (laughs) these days you know like i give you an example <clears throat> I had a clash on Juggle Ugly, mm-hmm. and I was just, I'm uh, one thing about me, and I think a lot of the great selectors that come from Canada is, we're good actors. I think the true greats are good actors. Like, they could literally transition into a TV screen, mm-hmm. you know? Polyfamous is like that. I think I'm like that. We have the ability to act. Mm-hmm. So, with the rise of the internet, and the rise of opinions you know and perceptions mm-hmm. it's like i find it very funny to see what people find acceptable and unacceptable so i did this thing where i i i beat the the pioneer mm-hmm. controller like i i pretended as though i was punching <laughs> <laughs> right and I was acting like a savage, mm-hmm. and it was it just it it was just acting like it was something that I I didn't even I wasn't even intending to do it. It just happened. Like I started wheeling the thing like a madman, and then I started acting like I was you know hammer fisting the the, the controller, and people were outraged. Yeah, people were outraged, and when I did it, I played a Movado song, mm-hmm. right? It at the age of sixteen, right? <laughs> and and um, that same night, somebody cropped the pit, the, the video of me hitting mm-hmm. the, the turntable and, and send it to Movado. Movado put it on all his pages, and it went viral. He put it on all his IG pages, right? And it, it got like tens of thousands of views. And uh, but I, I just like it was to me it was an afterthought. It was just like how I'm closing out the round, right? Yeah. Like no big deal. Like thump up the controller two time and you know just add a little controversy mm-hmm. at the end of the round. And it was like people were just like 
beside themselves. They're like, oh my, oh I'm a tompo poly controller. Yo, I'm sure I get a beaten and <laughs> I was just like, yo man, it's just it's just it's just acting, yo. You know, it's just like but it's crazy in this time to see what is acceptable mm-hmm. and what is unacceptable mm-hmm. compared to Remember, you know, at one time, there would be like 10 people running up to the turntables to wheel it up and all yeah, that stuff. Like I, remember, I remember one time one. in Zone 1, on. crazy hype jumped on a live turntable, brother, when the record was spinning. <laughs> and Zone 1 management had to fly over and be like, yo, yo, if you talk, <laughs> you have to talk to that brother day in the dark. Mm-hmm. Like Curry just got hype and just did a standing vertical jump <laughs> onto the turntable. And I just heard Nigo go... <laughs> The needle did like a five bounce, at, and at that time, that's like even the dance has gone into overdrive now. Yeah, or, and exactly. but we didn't like to. That's how we party. That's mm-hmm. how we get down. Now we're mm-hmm. about like there's a component of the madness and the violence we've been exposed to over the years, where we have some of that in us, where we like to do things at times that is like on the verge of unacceptable. Yeah, you know, other so we party. Crazy! I didn't even realize that because I did see that clash. That was a clash with you and Green's connection. Yeah, I think Green's. Yeah. they gave Green's that one there. Well, gre- yeah, Green's, but yeah. It, it became controversial because after the fact, um, they found out that there was there was verifiably he had played several fake songs mm-hmm. throughout the clash. So and and I went to tune for tune, and the live crashed and. All these things, and fi- I was just. But the people were trying to make me lose, yeah. <laughs> because I had gone into the groups, and this is again, this is, it's all part of the entertainment factor, right? As of late, like in the last, I, w- I used to be in one of these groups, Captured Land, and I'm just always saying controversial stuff because mm-hmm. I like I like to walk the fine line, mm-hmm. you know, because of this. Like I've seen the rise when 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 I started doing this. There was very few white people mm-hmm. in the clash industry. Now everywhere you look at white people in the clash business. Mm-hmm. So part of it angers me a lot, you know, because when I was fighting for, in a sense, you know, in in the reverse sense, this is mm-hmm. the funny part, mm-hmm. fighting for equality. <laughs> <laughs> when I was fighting for equality, <laughs> no for them money, I just a uh, sit on and I do the pig. So, so, at one point, my head just tech me and me say, "Yo, I'm the white god." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't mean it like yeah. I, I didn't mean to say that, like me a white god. Yeah. For black people at all, mm-hmm. not not no gossip. Mm-hmm. What I meant to say was I'm the one who opened up the door for a lot of like the Italians, the Germans, the this, the that, Austria, and these places that I have absolutely no clue about. Crazy. You understand? Like I don't know nothing about that side of the world, Mm -hmm. brother. But what I bring to the table in terms of a white selector, a white MC, is that I learned it authentically through Jamaicans, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't tell me a German from Dusseldorf <laughs> is going to know the thing like, oh, me know the thing. <laughs> you, you understand where we're found from? I, 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 That's all. I get what you're saying. And it's, it's just, again, it's very interesting to see the world 
from your point of view. Because mm-hmm. we know, we said, okay, we're just I got my own point of view, yeah. brother. You understand? So, and you're not afraid to express it. No, you can't That's be. what I rate 100%. Yeah, because, because that, I've always been controversial. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's in my personal circles or whether it's in music, I have always been a controversial person because I say the stuff that nobody really wants to hear. It's in mm-hmm. it, they they know what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. but it's like, how dare you broach that subject? You know, but I will broach it, mm-hmm. and that's just how I am because my heart is clean. I've been around. I I, I love black culture. I love West Indian culture, and more specifically, I love Jamaican culture. Mm-hmm. You know, because I most of my friends them are are Jamaican. Like, you have some people that are from Trinidad and Guyana and these places, but it's the Jamaican culture that I fell in love with, right? And for those who actually wanted to hear the words, yeah, I I love the Jamaican culture. Mm-hmm. You know, and I respect it, and uh, I honor it, and I honor the music that I play. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's 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 a sport that, that you can't show any weakness, and it's about supremacy. I don't want to say that with a negative tone, but it's about <laughs> supremacy. Like it's about who is the best, who is the toughest, who is who has the thickest skin, who can entertain the crowd, right? So there's no, you can't go about it in a politically correct way. So I don't. Yeah. I don't. I rate that. Yeah, buddy. I rate. How you see things totally. Yeah, you know respect I mean? myself. A couple more before I got you out sure. here. What's your thing there? Give me three of your favorite dubs in Don Rankin's box and why. Three of my favorite dubs. Yeah. So you put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, one of my favorite dubs is, uh, well, two of them are Barrington Levy dubs. Mm-hmm. Don Rankin, we rough. We rough. And then I, I, got, I had a hell of a time. I had to, Barrington Levy was here in 2007. Mm-hmm. And I, I had no Levy, and I, he was definitely on the list. So I called Slingshot. And he's, I'm like, Slingshot, I know he's performing live at the Harbor Front Center. So Slingshot's like, Rankin, aware yourself. Manua Barrington, he has something to do for me. Mm-hmm. We'll go there. And we'll drag him off the stage. Uh, we did exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was it was me with the youth name Lethal Vibes, don't Lethal the young yes, yes, Lethal yes. and and Andrew. And I have to big up Andrew still, you know, because Andrew Andrew taught me a ton, mm-hmm. a ton of things about music, mm-hmm. and he was like one of the first people that I met in the business where I said, you know what, that man you're now watching a call I like, this is an honest dude. Mm-hmm. And he showed me like, every question I had that was unanswered, he was basically a person who mentored me between 2000 and 2005. And I learned a ton, a ton of things from him. So big him up to the max. Zine. Um, but getting back to the original question, two of them are Two Barrington Levy's. One is the one it's on the Babylon release, the chain, mm-hmm. and it became an anthem for us. Ain't mm-hmm. uh, that they want we? Right? That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. songs. Because when I hear that play on the right sound system and that, that, I'm like, right there, my blood just goes into 
1500 degree mode, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then another one is the next Burnton Levy we voiced from that venture, which is uh, a medley. It's, it's, uh, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, and, and the other one there on the, on that Kochi rhythm. Mm-hmm. And that, that song, anytime I play it in tune for tune, always wins. <laughs> so it became one of my instant favorites. Yeah. Right? And then another one that, that I love that's dear to me is Buju on the jam rock. Right? It's like anytime anytime I go for those original Bujus, I it always accomplishes the goal, right? Like if it's a matter if it's a matter of like rallying forward into the dance, mm-hmm. yeah man, I'll go for the Buju on the jam rock. Listen, I remember the first night I heard you guys play that was the same fully loaded that yeah. we were all in. Yeah. I was in the court and I said, yo, Scorps, you hear what these guys are wheeling off over there? Yeah. Because you guys had like It was cutting edge four. at the time. Mm-hmm. It was cutting edge. We we approached the business that night there, that first initial showcase of those songs. was like everyone was playing Showtime, Taxi. We came with a whole new set of rhythms that people were just like, "What? What?" I think, and then we dropped the moments in and moments in love. Yes, you see me like that. That like it, the first night we ever clashed, mm-hmm. anthems were developed because mm-hmm. we'd been collecting these songs for years, so we mm-hmm. knew they were powerful. Yes, but from the inception, from the first night, mm-hmm. instant anthems were 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 generated. Who you calling, white boy? The Buju on the jam rock, singing melody on the moments in love, the Barrington on on the on the on the Babylon release the chain, instant instant. Toronto fell in love instantly with those songs. Right away, trust right me. Away. I remember those times. Yeah, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Definitely. Before I get you out of here, sure. Twenty twenty one. What's what's left for Don Rankin right now? What's the what is it that you guys are looking up to right now, saying that is where we want to go, that you guys haven't done, but you think as soon as we get out of this, mm-hmm. that's where you guys are ready to go? As I said, plan A, mm-hmm. I want to clash in Jamaica against, like in a proper clash. Mm-hmm. So if any promoters out there listening, I mean, there's a good chance that we will have to structure our own dance, mm-hmm. and I and and I can accept that. But if there's a promoter who's trying to put together, you know, a dance with people from different parts of the world, mm-hmm. but uh, I want it to be something that's well attended mm-hmm. against some good competition in Jamaica. That's number one. As for right, right this moment, mm-hmm. we were a little resistant to joining this whole online craze. But right now, you know, a few months ago, we we got into it through the Juggle Ugly platform. And I, I kind of enjoyed that because you still had to go to a particular location, see your mm-hmm. opponent. So I kind of like that. But we've even decided to take it a step further and to do like the clashes where you're at your house and, you know, clashing different sounds mm-hmm. from across the world. So I got, we got some big clashes coming up. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really want to get into the details because they're still in the finalization process. Mm-hmm. But you're going to see Dan Rankin in quite a few clashes between, say, I don't know, April and 
August, mm-hmm. you're going to see us in quite a few internet clashes. Although that's not my style, mm-hmm. but we're morphing into... You continue to upgrade and assimilate Stay relevant. Stay yes. relevant. Uh, Ranger made mention of out of sight, out of mind the other day, and I agree with him. Mm-hmm. You're only as good as your last clash. You understand. You're only as good as your last clash, and <clears throat> the key to staying relevant is staying in the public eye, mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing. You're right. Last one for you. Who gave you your hardest fight when it came to a clash? Hmm, that's a good question. The hardest fight. Yeah. Hmm. Just give me a second. I got to think about this one. I mean, certainly Trooper would have been one of those people. Um, I think, brother. I'm going to have to come back. Like, to Anna's, I, there, there's been so many that. Yeah. Like, I don't ever think we've been into a clash where it didn't feel like, you know, I've, the all the clashes that I've been in, we've never walked away and said, okay, yeah, man, we just locked him off from start to finish. And it was just like, mm-hmm. it's always a messy affair. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. So it's like, but, you know, some of the great opponents that I could think of off the top of my head that, that did not want to lose under any circumstances Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Polyfamous, you know, Lomba G, Ricky Turbo, you know, there, there's so many. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Blacks from Black Reaction, you know, um, Rianja, all these guys are like super duper professionals and have a, a, have a, have a killer instinct, mm-hmm. you know. Didn't you guys and Outcast have like a yeah, we rivalry, had a rivalry for, going on for a while. Ah. Yeah, we had a rivalry going on for a while, you know, because it all started with you know run. Well, it all started when I think they really started to forward into the game at about oh nine, mm-hmm. and you know we were just, we were kind of like rela- we 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 kind of took a little time off between oh nine and. 2010 and then forward into the thing back in 2010 Mm -hmm. and outcast was there now is it so by 2011 you know it's on right like we're clashing in a whole bunch of fully loaded some of them ended up being controversial run shut down the dance and we had to clash them again and but they 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 beat me in one of the fully loaded yes there was a Pablo actually sorry 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 no soul survival beat us Mm -hmm. So Survival won, but Outcast advanced a little further than I did. They went mm-hmm. to the finals. So it was like So Survival, Outcast, and Dan Rankin were the three finalists. Mm-hmm. But So Survival won, and Outcast was the runner-up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rivalry kind of started from there. And then in 2012, the whole Innocent thing, I got the upper hand on them. They got kicked out, but then I ended up losing to Innocent. But you know it got already. Mm-hmm. And then again, we we clashed, I think, in 2018 at uh, Baradan or something like that. But there's always been an ongoing mm-hmm. rivalry between Outcast and Dan Rankin. But then I think it became more of a Soul Survival and Outcast rivalry because I think Soul Survival 
got the better of them on like three different occasions. Have so, you guys ever played a one-on-one clash yet? Uh, one v have we done? No, I don't think we have. You know, not yet. No, but I, I'm. Those are the. I mean, given the fact that the box is a lot bigger and deeper now, mm-hmm. uh, those things are not an issue now. You know, so I'm. I, I'll welcome the one v one. Personally, I prefer the three-way clash. Okay. Simply because I think that it adds a certain, you know, like dynamic to the clash that just keeps it entertaining. It's almost like the third person is a wild card. Anything could happen. Yeah. They could chop up your box and drop out. And this leaves the dance in a real funny place after they drop out. And that, and the thing is about like, okay, when when it's two sounds, for example, you have to do 20 minute rounds. Mm -hmm. And let's, you know, and it's just, okay, this guy and then that guy. If one of the, one of the two sounds isn't playing well, you can break that monotony with the third sound. You know, that's what I find. I just find the dynamic is better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's been coincidental that we haven't been on a one versus one clash, but I'm more, we're more than willing to take on 1v1s. Let's see where this goes. For sure. You understand. Yeah, man. If they want to check out Dan Rankin, anything you guys have going on, leave some contact info so they could check you out on social media or phone calls or anything. Yeah, man. So on the Instagram, it's Dan Rankin. D O N R A N K I N 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, Done on the Facebook, it says Dan Rankin, D O N R A N K I N. And uh, phone number is 416 And that number not change. 40. Anybody you want to big up, anything you want to say, last words, it's yours for before sure. I get you out of here. For sure. I just want to big up. You know, because often to the general public, it looks like we're fighting and whatever else. I just want to big up everybody mm-hmm. in the Canadian class scene from them time there till now. Because, you know, although it seems as though we're fighting and we're trying to tear each other down and these types of things, we all have a world of respect for each other um, outside of that perception, mm-hmm. right? So... Big up everybody who's, you know, from the dinosaurs. Because right now I would say like Ranger, Polly, Fiamos, me. Like we're all, Polly, Polly airbrushes his beard. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we're a rea- 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 job the skunk thing I'll go on. Like we're all, we're all white beard. Up. We're, we're older now, right? Yeah. So, you know, big up the dinosaurs. Big up the, the, the younger people trying to forward into the thing. I want to take a time out and big up my team because their dedication has been incredible. So big up Crazy at the Boss any and every time. Trailer Curry is the top general. Blood Splash anywhere I'm there. Problem Child and the new shooter, Wicked Indian, Zit. And that's all, all the people that love Clash because we have an obligation to keep this thing going, Zit. And and it's a journey that never ends. Just to to build off of what you were saying mm-hmm. with Roots, man. There there is no pinnacle. There is no plateau. It's just like for for those of us that took the oath. You just kind of do it up until you know you can when you mm-hmm. can or till you die. I like how you put it. Took the oath. We took the oath. You understand? You know, there's a responsibility and an obligation that comes along with that. Mm-hmm. We took the oath. 
Ja, man. Der mag ein Sofa. Ja, der mag ein Sofa. <lacht> der sieht. Big of the Wall of Toronto, the Wall of Jamaica, the Wall World. What the? You know what it is, muscle. Crazy, you crazy conversation. Is, yeah, man. Was Richard there any topic man. that you wanted to cover that we didn't get to? No, I, we covered a lot of the stuff yeah. that I was thinking about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Forty. Crazy. Again, it's just we see you on stage. We see when you get, when the the switch flips. Yeah. And you get into that zone. But it's good to It's an alter me. ego, brother. For sure. It's an alter ego. And, and for the most part, and a lot of the real selectors who have been who've been able because this is one thing that I would like to say a lot of mm-hmm. <coughs> sound system has saved a lot of people's lives mm-hmm. you see me so when we're able to express our alter ego through the music it keeps us away from certain aspects on the street or getting involved in certain things because we have an avenue to channel our maniacal ideas Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So for me, staying focused on music, and I'm sure a lot of selectors will agree, it 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 kept us from getting in trouble, you know. But I believe we have a we have an obligation to the to the business and to the music to hold it up and to, to keep you know promoting the music. Definitely. Listen, can't wait till the place opens back up or even see you back online. Most definitely, muscle. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? May I try new, brother? May I, I go try, brother? Always. Always, always muscle. For you done, no, brother. Thank you. Let me give you an outro and get you out there because this conversation, great conversation. Salah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.